Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, but the campaign beckons the Herald of Steel with the adventure, the master, and the quest, lightning in a bottle. That might be the quickest I've ever said the intro on that one. But anyway, our heroes, having been given instruction from Obroth of the Ivy Hold as to where they could find the cult headquarters of the Eyes of Felier, the uh, party decided to take him up on his instruction and go to Bolt Scrag Peak at the top of the Akiratos Mountains' western peak. Uh, having began the travel and traveled much of the mainland for nearly two weeks straight, the party finds themselves in the mid-range of the mountains on their way to the peak, having been attacked by some sort of a strange air ghost, air elemental thingy, whatever it could be. Uh, the party, bolstering their spirits with this victory, continue their travels up the mountainside. So at this point, can I get another one of those fancy schmancy checks? Any of the ability scores? Or a survival? No. I quit. My I sits down. Thirteen on concentration. Constitution. Go right. Does this does this fall under thinking and believing? <laughs> Look at <if> you. <laughs> if you believe, you can't achieve. Are you giving out guidance during this? Uh, I can. That'd be, that'd be good. <laughs> well, actually, um, mm, I mean, I already rolled. Norhill got how many? I can only give it to one person unless I just do it to all of us. I don't think so. I would say Jarzak. Yeah, the only one who doesn't have great. Uh, I'll give Jarzak guidance. Modifiers. So let me let me roll that d4. It's not a d4. We got three points. Whoo! Okay, fourteen. Squeaker so got a statistically probable ten plus five, fifteen. Very good. Norhill. <laughs> uh, Norhill got a twelve on his athletics chat. Okay, so using much of the same techniques as before, the party manages to stand themselves against the treacherous mountainous climb as they make it farther and farther up the Akeratos Mountains. By about midday, when the party take something of a foothold to eat another ration and to sort of take a break from their mountainous climb, you guys look down and can see the snowy covered, uh, the snow covered landscape down below of Amaroth to the west. And you guys can see out here on this clear day, pretty much all the way out to Glory Wake. 
you guys can see the whole oceanic view to the west. And from up here, you can also see Eagle Heart to the north. And to the south, you can see the mountains of silver and steel, as well as the elven wood of Thalvir below Glorywake. This view is not only impeccable and beautiful, but also kind of an alarming perspective that the party can take a second to look back on how far they've really come out here. At this point in time, it's been nearly, what, uh, two months together traveling around like this, nearly two and a half. And you guys have come quite a ways, having slayed many a foe, killed many a creature, and fought within an inch of your lives together. Having just this morning defeated some strange air elemental beast thing, having used tactics that in the very beginning, I don't think anybody would have assumed to do, such as Klika's pass off of the dagger, you know what I mean? Norhill fighting, even though he can't hit the thing, still trying to goad it and pull it in on himself anyway. Anton pulling the clutch move of taking away Bless, backstepping, <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, removing the bless from everyone and Jarzak just hitting something really hard. Yeah, oh, right. Wait, no, that's the, that's on par. <laughs> and so with that, I don't know if the party has anything that they'd like to say to each other, anything that they'd like to sort of recount on and have one of those. Can you believe we already did this in this campaign too? Kind of moments, but it's just such a breathtaking view for the party up there on the mountain that even in the biting cold, the warmth of the sun manages to heat your bones enough to kind of make this view less than brutality you know what i mean can norhill see the valley of silver and steel from here yeah very clearly he's looking very much out in that direction more so than any other and you can see that the mountains there rival the akaratos mountains if not uh reaching higher peaks than this mountain uh as well you know what i mean so it's Mm -hmm. like those mountains are big boy mountains and this is you might even say they dwarf them Oh, uh, you know what? I take it back. Klika falls off the mountain. Wingsuit is torn open. Oh, no. <laughs> Who could have foreseen such an event? Okay. And so I imagine the party can see Norhill's fixation on the mountains as if, like, you probably couldn't get him to budge from this point if you tried. So is there anything anybody else would like to do or say? Snap Norhill out of it. It's kind of dark. But Anton just looking, he's like, you can see everything from here. They can see everything from here. We have to keep moving. Uh, look how little the tree is down there. I, I, can't, I can pick it up with my two fingers. Look at that. Uh, right, right, right you are. Right you are. <laughs> you saying right you are to Anton or Jarzak? Uh, <laughs> Both. Both, I guess. <laughs> There's very strange implications I mean, for one of these. Yeah, two, two Anton, but it weirdly fits in with what Jarzak says, too. I don't think it does, because I don't think you can really pick up the trees from here and squish between your two fingers. It's like a little piece of broccoli. You see that? I don't think Jarzak eats broccoli. I'm calling bullshit on that. I don't no, think Jarzak's it, eaten a vegetable in his life. It looks like one. <laughs> he probably has, which is why he's not that strong. <laughs> Too many veggies. He's just mad at the broccoli down there. He's like, God damn, broccoli's staring at me in their diminished wisdom. You know, I should have All been right. eating more meat to keep up with the other orcs. <laughs> he was too busy eating the broccoli that no other orc wanted to eat. Okay. Oh, you guys don't want these tiny trees? Oh, yeah, I'll take them. That's how his obsession with being the biggest formed, <laughs> only to have Klico rob it from him in the form of pictographs on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. okay. Was there anything Klico wanted to do up here? I think uh, while everyone else is sort of having their moment, Klico is just sort of going to sit down in the snow and just sort of 
take everything in um, and just sort of think to herself how nonstop it's been. Just all the places we've gone and how urgent all of our missions seem to be. That she's thankful that even during those times there are small moments of respite like this. Fair enough. And so with that, after a good hour or so of, of um, a break, eating food and whatnot, preparing to continue their journey up to the peak, the uh, party wearing their thick uh, bear skin jackets there, the uh, big cloaks that you guys have, continue your way up the mountainous pass and the slopes there. Uh, still about half a day's trip away. So if I could get one more of those fancy schmancy checks on the hardest of all the bits of travel. That means you, Ronnie. We got a bless. Um, Actually, no, we're going to want a guidance. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, bless wouldn't work like that. Jarzak, yeah. uh, dirty 20. Damn. What? Uh, okay. May I have a guidance? <laughs> Two points. Ooh. Yeah, I said mine quick because it was a good one <laughs> before you gave me guidance. <laughs> 17 athletics. Cool. What's Klika got? Klika has uh, 17 acrobatics. Oh, boy. Oh, here it comes. Uh, 19. Okay, this was, yeah. this was the hardest bit of travel. This is like vertical mountain climbing slopes and the party having to like bandolier with rope and the chain that you guys stole every that long ago. And you guys barely make it up. But once you get to this top part here, looking and seeing that giant metal pole that Norhill had spoken of before, you guys can see that it's kind of got like metallic brachiations all over it, almost like a tree made of like pure steel up here. Um, and it seems to be rooted well into the base of the landing up at the top, making up Boltzcrag Peak. And as you guys come up to this top part here up onto this landing, you notice that the ground you stand on is none other than some sort of a soft and kind of spongy, squeaky surface that under closer inspection seems almost to be like some sort of like rubber or silicone or something like that. Like some strangely like just really flexible and durable stuff that when you step on is like spongy to your feet. But all around you, you can see metal tubes that seem to like break, like bra uh, brachiate and like root into the stonework around you, making something of like almost like a helicopter pad landing up here. But the most jarring thing of note is this big giant metallic door in front of you that seems to be like put together in a way that it looks almost like a dwarfish bank vault kind of like reinforced metallic door with two individual pieces that lock into each other with an impossible sort of jigsaw metallic like locking mechanism holding the two doors clamped shut. So with the biting winds and the coldest bit of cold you guys have ever felt in your entire lives, what would you like to do? This is the same day we fought the air elemental, right? Nope, next day. Okay. Uh, just Perfect. Abilities that I use. Uh, can Klika look for some way to get the door open? Um, I will say, Obroth did give something of a hint about this at We're one supposed point. to harness the power of lightning in order to open the door. And judging by that giant metal tube that goes way up, the, the antenna with brachiations, and how it filters into the metallic tubes that go into the rocks around the door, one would imagine that is probably more true than not. 
Uh, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say that that's a target. Hmm. Well, that, no, Norhill has no control over electricity whatsoever. So, Klika can't make lightning either. So, does anybody have any form of electricity on them? Well, time to go home, everybody. <laughs> that was a nice try, guys. There's nothing I can do with fire, right? I don't know. Does Jarzak have lightning lure? I would. That, I mean, that needs to be used on a creature. You can use it on this. Okay. Could you imagine me being like, no? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the way up to the tallest mountain in the area, and I'm just like, oh, that's for a creature. Nah, man. So you whip the uh, electric uh, whip out there onto the uh, but, uh, the base of this big metal pole, and you surge out a couple of cracks of lightning from your hand as you do it, and you can see the, like the the strike uh, the the strike of the lightning lure sort of like ride all the way up the pole, you know, unironically lightning fast, and come right back down again. And you can see the tube seem to vibrate really quickly. And you hear the metallic door start to surge and screech as the individual locking mechanisms begin to unlatch and pull apart. And as the door begins to slide open with like this big metallic grating noise, you guys can hear inside something that sounds almost like Windows 95 loading up as you hear like, and before you is a The first three notes of the Jurassic Park theme? Yeah, any number of three notes. Fucking, okay. <laughs> but with that, the doors open up and before you is an expansive hallway that goes downward at a gentle uh, decline. Um, to the side, you see what appear to be yellowed, like light bulb sort of looking things. But to you guys who have never seen anything like this, they're glass tubes with a bunch of lightning just arcing through it constantly, giving a pulsating and uneven light to the entire room, but lighting up this tunnel chamber that goes down into the earth or down into the mountain rather um a sort of ghostly yellow glow and so what would the party like to do now i think we should head inside while the door is open um does norhill see any signs of the door guardians that were supposed to be here the what yeah didn't overall say that the reason that they used like you know, side entrances and cracks in the mountain to escape that something is supposed to be watching the doors. I guess you haven't seen them yet. Hmm? I guess you haven't seen them yet. I don't know if it doesn't look like they're right there immediately. Norhill will step in to try to get out of the cold. I don't imagine anything could go wrong here. You're probably in the better side of things. So with that, the whole party is going to head in. Yep. Okay. And so with that, as the party heads in, the door closes behind you gently. And as it does, you can hear like a bing, boom as it closes shut behind you. And the light now that the door is closed and the bright white light of the mountain peak, uh, since that's kind of gone now with the door closed, you guys can see a little bit clearer inside of here with the yellow light. And it gives off, again, like a very warm glowing light, but one that makes the whole place look kind of scary, I guess, as everybody takes on a yellowed hue for their skin and their armor and everything. And the reflections on the ground, which you can tell now it's like that houndstooth metal plating on the floor and like chain link that holds the, uh, the light bulbs on the uh, left-hand side um, to the wall. Uh, the whole 
path is about 10 feet to 15 feet wide at the most. And this path seems to go down in like a slightly uh, turning decline, sort of corkscrewing down for what appears to be like a mile straight. And as you guys are on your merry way down this long, never ending path, uh, you guys hear the sound come up again as you've made it about 100 feet into this place. And you can hear all of a sudden, bing, boom. Attention, I am Boltini. Welcome to Boltscrag. How may I be of service? And the voice um, seems to echo and hum down the halls as if some sort of ghost appears to be within the walls. Klika says, hi, I'm Klika, and puts out her hand for a handshake. All of a sudden you hear, user not found. I'm sorry, Klika. I'm not sure that you're registered in our interface. Perhaps one of your accomplices are. Norhill Hammerstone. Username not found. I'm sorry, Norhill Hammerstone. I'm not sure I recognize you either. Security protocols are very important to us gnomes here at Boltscrag Peak. If you cannot provide proper identification, we will have to escort you. Uh, Jarzak needs to be taken to a registration. Bing, boom. Registration hours are unavailable. <laughs> this, this company is impossible to work with. What language do gnomes speak? Is it gnomish. only gnomish? Your opinions and criticisms mean a lot to us. If you would like to form a formal complaint and give it to us, please go to the office. The office hours are unavailable. May we request hospitality? <laughs> hospitality not found. No. <laughs> and so with that, does the party just continue to walk down here? Yeah, I highly doubt that my name is on the list. So watch it just is. Welcome back, Antenna Glory Wake. It just I it just so happens to coincidentally also be a gnome name. <laughs> uh could you imagine? Um okay, so with that, the voice bing bongs again and it says, Attention, you are entering Boltscrag Peak main entrance area. You have not provided any identification and will be escorted immediately upon entrance. Do you have identification? No, we need to go to registration. <laughs> to get registration our identification. Found in the office. Office hours are as follows. Unavailable. Help is needed. Boltini wants to help you, but unfortunately Boltini is not able to <laughs> complete your request. Would you like to hear some gnomish easy listening? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> guys, this is this is a real toe tapper. You guys, you guys feeling this? I, I'm feeling this. Oh, it's getting spicy. Boltini appreciates your compliments. All compliments can be filed at the office. Office hours are as follows. Unavailable. 
Where's, um, which building's the office located in? The office is located in the second floor plaza. What are their hours at the second floor plaza? Second floor plaza hours are unavailable. <laughs> so the party continue walking down this path for what feels like an eternity listening to Gnomish Easy Listening. All the contemporary hits. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to ask of Boltini? Could I do a history check to see if, like, because this is so bizarre, are gnomes for no, known for being this just? Well, I want to say this much. Gnomes are very reclusive, and after the War of Bleeding Stones, the gnomes are even more reclusive. So the idea that you guys would know any of their, like, deep working intricate secrets, such as a hidden away place locked away at the peak of a mountaintop, is pretty unlikely, but knowing that they're good at tinkering is no mystery to anybody. But this level of proficiency and this level of mastery is astonishing. But it's not sad. It, you know what I mean? It'd be like going to an elven city to find that it's all made of like magical stones. You know what I mean? Like elves are known for magic, so a whole city made of it. It's surprising, but it's not outside the realm of possibilities. So with that, Boltini says again, if you have any questions for Boltini before your arrival, please ask them now. Um, Boltini, do you know any jokes? (laughs) (laughs) Jokes are unavailable. (laughs) Kleeka openly cries. (laughs) Now don't cry. There's no need to cry. Everything's great in Bulkstrag Peak. So I, the, I imagine Gnomish easy listening is like that, but every once in a while you just can lightly hear in the background like jackhammers and torque wrenches. I imagine it sounds a lot like Frank Zappa's kind of like. Yeah. But after about 10, 15 minutes of walking down this place, you notice that the place is rather warm too, as if all the systems have begun to heat up. And you guys can tell from the steam kind of billing out of the uh, individual vents on the side to the right that this place is warming up to a temperature that feels very comfortable for you guys. And for that reason, wearing your big giant, you know, bear cloaks is probably going to be too much at this point. But it's a very nice regulated temperature in here. But as you guys make it down to what appears to be the bottom floor, the door uh, at the end of it is another giant metal door, quite like the first one, except there appears to be something of like a pull down like metal release on the side of it that looks like it would be what you can use to open the door. But as the party approaches this door, you guys can hear Boltini come out again and say, attention, attention, traveling inside without proper identification is considered trespassing. Us gnomes at Boltscribe Peak do not appreciate trespassing, and all trespassers will be taken out swiftly. How, how do we attain proper identification? Identification can be found at the office. Office hours are as follows. Unavailable. Um, Kleeka and our friends are just going to go wait at the office until office hours are available. We will send an accomplice to lead you to the office. Thank you. We'll wait right here till it gets here. 
You guys listen to the sound of Gnomish Easy listening for the next hour before anything happens. And guess what happens at the end of the hour? Nothing. It loops back to the start. They just changed back to a new soundtrack. Oh, well, the music changed. That has to mean something, right? Hey, Baltini, uh, estimated time on this this uh, assistant to come escort us. Your entrance means a lot to us. Please hold. I don't... I'm trying to understand. How do we even know the gnomes are even still here? Well, they're probably not. We know that this place is owned by the eyes of failure. Exactly. So why are we following a prompt that may no longer be relevant? Oh! It's <laughs> hard. Why didn't you say this before I kept asking it questions? Well, they said, they said that hospitality was unavailable, so I thought we'd show them some hospitality. Well, let's see if we can get through this door. Okay. I'm almost going to go try the big latch. Uh, hey, hey, before you do that real quick, hey, hey Bod, uh, what, who's your leader? Are you asking Boltini? Yeah. Oh. And so, uh, with that, Goldscrag Peak is currently under the leadership of Thubani Goldwisp. The office hours for Thubani Goldwisp are as follows. Unavailable. Is he still alive? Thubani cannot be reached at this time. All right, guys, let's go. I'd say, so Norhill's going to try the big latch. Okay, so that Norhill pulls down the big latch on the door, and uh, the door systematically goes through the series of clinking, clanking noises as cogs begin to spin with inside of it, and the door swings open very laboriously, uh, I'm sorry, pulls aside from the two parts, and before you is a room that could be described as like a 100 foot by 80 foot rectangular chamber that almost looks like a vehicle hangar more than anything else. And as you look inside, you can see what could only be described as like metal vehicles or of sorts where there's like machines and like train cars and like all these different like half completed machines that seem to be out of service and out of use. There's two big pillars in the center of this room that are about 20 feet wide on either side and arc all the way up to the ceiling about 40 feet up. Um, and to the far left side from you guys, you can see two large doorways that are blocked off with metal doors. And directly across this chamber, you can see another set of met metallic double doors with what appeared to be another metal handle on it. But as you pull open this door and all this is revealed to you, you hear Boltini open up again. Boom, boom. Attention, you are entering an area with which you do not have proper identification clearance. I'm afraid you will be escorted out of here soon. Bing, bing. Well, we've already yeah. been waiting an hour. Maybe we can escape this escort. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the escort can catch us as long as we stay ahead of it by over an hour. <laughs> oh no! And so with that, I'm gonna need a perception check. That's gonna be a fourteen. Also got a 14. Eight. 19 minus one, 18. 
Okay. So Kalika, Norhill, and Anton. And what did Jarzak get? An eight. Okay. So everybody can hear this. You guys can hear the sound of what sound like metal wheels clinking and clanking over the houndstooth metal floor. That sort of like metallic noise of, of metal wheels, just like. But judging by how loud this is and coming from across the chamber past all the rubble and piled up like mechanical machines over there that are all just kind of in big heaps, this thing sounds big. And it sounds like it's moving from the other side of the room almost in response to the alert being sounded from Boltini. So what would you guys like to do? I'm gonna hide behind something. If that's possible. Uh, same here. Norville's gonna find cover. Okay, roll some stealth checks then if you're going to be hiding. Oh, no. <laughs> Guys, I'm pretty sure it can sense our presence wherever we are in this place. I have to try. Because I rolled a six. Okay, uh, Jarzak's going to prepare to attack. Clicky got a 23 on her stealth check. I got a 17. Okay. Um, do you have armor that gives you disadvantage on stealth checks, Ronnie? I, I rolled an 18 and a 17. Oh, shit, okay. So I was like, thank God. So, Clicken <laughs> and Anton hide behind a large stack of boxes that seem to hide you guys pretty well. Jarzak prepares to attack whatever it is that's coming rolling around the corner, and Norhill held up a small box in front of his face. Well, is Norhill at least in cover? What's the, uh, what did you get for the stealth check again? I mean, six. Okay, but yeah. We'll say that you're... I was I was being humorous and hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's Jarzak planning on doing for an attack? Like yeah. an Eldritch blast. Jarzak looks around, sees everyone else hiding, and I guess he's gonna hide too. Because, uh, uh, yeah, not gonna stand your ground. And he's gonna hide directly behind uh, Norhill. <laughs> Just picks him up. Very good. Dwarf holding a box being held by an orc. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay. And so with that, uh, did you want to hide behind Norhill with a stealth check? Uh, I mean, I get disadvantage on stealth checks and I'm already not going to be great at it. So what do you got to lose? Your life? Dignity? Yeah, three. <laughs> oh, good God. Okay. And so with that... <laughs> <laughs> the party hides in very different locations. Um, uh, those who are peeking around the corners and can see, I imagine Jarzak and Norhill sitting behind the smaller stack can see pretty clearly. And because Anton and Kalika hid pretty well, you guys can peek without blowing your cover. But what appears around the corner looks like a ballista on four wheels with a draconic like metallic face built onto the front of it. Almost like something that came out of that show like Robot Wars. But it just comes clinking around the corner, and it's like the size of a horse, and it just Hell comes yeah. around the corner, and it slowly wheels itself, and red eyes glow within the metal mask on it, and you can hear inside, identify yourselves. You guys do anything? Uh, oh, what was the leader, gnome leader name? Thubani. Thubani? Okay, Jarzak's gonna try his best to sound more gnomish which he imagines is just like a higher pitched voice and say (laughs) Thubani I'm Thubani I'm I'm Thubani incredible can I get a a deception check on that a disadvantage (laughs) why disadvantage clearly 
I know you have the same physical stature as a gnome, and thus it'll be very easy for you to do a gnomish voice. <laughs> it's not yeah. like this thing is built with voice recognition, so. I'm just three gnomes and no one. We're all standing on each other. 17? <laughs> okay, and so with the 17, it says, Thank you for identifying yourself, Sue Bonnie. And the eyes stop glowing red, and they say, Provide identification for the following intruders Norhill, Kleeka, Anton, Jarzak. No, I didn't give him my name. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I said Anton. Yeah, only so he only has three other names. <laughs> I only heard that when you guys were talking to each other in your hour of being inside that chamber. <laughs> That's not nice. Uh, so uh, he's just gonna <laughs> say, "They are guests of mine, <laughs> and have a temporary passes for the day. Day passes." Yep, yep, yep. yep. And so with that, <laughs> with that, the thing starts to wheel away and like pull over to the side and sits there dormant. Okay, Jarzak's gonna go out and. <laughs> uh, uh, see if it does anything. <laughs> so, as Jarzak stands up and begins to walk out, it does nothing. Norhill will follow. Wave, waves them out. <laughs> and so, with that, the eyes light up again and they say, Thubani, show yourself. Oh, shit. So you guys are about to uh, away from yeah, the head. He, he, he's right behind me. You don't see him? <laughs> I'm says, carrying him on my backpack. Conducting thermal scan. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have something warm on your back? Uh, Kleeka can use prestidigitation to make Jarzak's back warm. Yeah, or like I, I could like. I don't yeah, okay. Know. So with that, the, like, the backpack heats up in the shape of a gnome, and with that, it says thermal scan conducted. Bing boom, and the thing wheels back into its corner. <laughs> so Kalika, uh, having not said a word about doing that for Jarzak, Jarzak's just like, let's uh, go, gang. <laughs> and Thubani, yeah. where did you guys want to go? Yes, let's go. <laughs> oh no, Yoda. <laughs> hmm. Can, can we help see where it came from? Yeah, it came from what looks almost like just like a little loading area with a metallic pad that it seems to have been conducting electricity with on its little wheels, as if when this whole place powered up, it seems like it must have been powered on by the whole place getting lit up. Okay, are there any other like side passages or hallways? Preferably one that looks like it would be too small for the ballista to follow us. Um, the two doors to the left that I mentioned before, those ones are uh, both available. And then there's the one big doorway that you guys didn't go through that you guys can um, go through as well with the big metal door. Yeah, yeah, let's strike that. Let's go through the big one. Okay. And so with that, the whole party goes walking by this mobile ballista. And you guys can tell from looking at it that it is armed with like 
a multiple launching like rocket launcher sort of assembly on the top of it. So for what it's worth, it does not look like this is the kind of thing that you guys would have wanted to have to tussle with. Um, but once you walk through this doorway, you can see that there's a small hallway before you that branches off to the left about 60 to 80 feet or so before going around a corner. But directly in front of you is a set of double doors. Um, uh, does everything seem to be like trending downward or lateral? No, not on this floor. It doesn't seem like this floor seems to be going down any further, but for what it's worth, I mean, again, this place, now that you're inside like this main chamber, all the lights are like bright white. And this place looks to be on like, I don't know. It looks like they like almost light spells have been captured in these glass bulbs. And the place has a general low dim humming going on. The walls are made of what would appear to be like a concrete with like gnomish printing and design on it with a bunch of little cartoony pictures going on there. Kind of almost like somebody with a tongue in cheek loading screen kind of thing going on as they put like the trimming on the ground around the place with like gnomes, like basically equivalent of like gnomish graffiti on the ground, but a tasteful enough way that it looks like newspaper comics. You know what I mean? Like the equivalent of like gnomish Garfield and like, yeah, just all over the ground around the base there. Um, but yeah, again, so there's the doorway in front of you with the uh, metal pull down and then the hallway to the left that goes around the corner. What would you like to do? Peek around the corner. Okay, so the party go meandering down to the end of the hallway and peek around the corner. And before you on the left are a set of doors uh, and to the right is an open hall. Um, or at least a large archway leading into a massive chamber. But directly at the end of the hall is something of another big metal door. It looks different than the other ones as it doesn't seem to have like the locking mechanism holding it shut. It almost looks like a pair of elevator doors. Hmm. Well, if I had to guess, we're likely to find our foes down on the lower levels. So we should try to find some way to get further down. Agreed. Seems pretty abandoned up here. It's good to me. So, what would you guys like to do? Good thing we got Dubani with us to get us through. Uh, <laughs> that was so clutch from Cleco right there, putting that fucking prestidigitation on the back. Yeah. That thermal scan immediately, like, Ugh! oh God. Just Dubani, just a little gnome shape in the back, just like a little outline of heat. <laughs> but, anywho. So did you want to go to one of the two doors on the left? Want to go through the archway on the right? Or did you want to go straight through the door in the, at the end of the hall? Uh, Norhill Nor will suggest looking into the archway on the right. OK. So as you guys go walking down this way and look through, you guys can see what appear to be uh, something of like um, like a big storage area. Judging by the double doors in the far corner of this room, it seems like the double doors that you guys passed on the way in through this area must have led into this room as well. But inside of here almost looks like a giant maintenance room's worth of just raw materials and like mechanical stuff. So there's cogs, oil cans, big giant metal drums filled with strange liquids, big giant dangling bits of wire. But looking around in here with a quick peek around, you guys can tell that there's like spools of like gold wire and silver wire down here as well. And it looks like one of these big spools, though it weighs about 50 pounds, could probably fetch like 300 gold. Damn. We'll have to remember that if we leave. Yeah, Norman's going to take out one of the pieces of chalk and just draw, you know, like a, 
the like the equivalent of an exclamation mark rune on the wall so that we know to come back and check here. Money time. <laughs> Just dollar sign, yeah. Um, okay. And so what would you guys like to do now? I guess we'll turn back to the I see I say we try the other locked door. The other door with the ladder. On the original path. Okay. So the double doors that were right before you when you first walked in? Or do you mean the two individual doors in the chamber with the ballista? So when we went past the ballista first through the original double doors, yep. we hit the first door. That door, you guys can tell from where you're standing in the storage room, must go into this room. Yeah, I don't want to go through those doors. I want to go through... When Anthony had the choice, when Norhill had the choice of either going through the door or taking going around the corner, instead of going around the corner, going through that door. Yeah, that's the door I'm talking about. That door connects to this room. Oh. Yeah. That's why we need maps. (laughs) 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 So with that, there are two doors to the left, as well as the one at the end of that hall, the elevator door door there. Um, so what would you guys like to do now? And how about we head toward the elevator door? Okay. And so you walk up to it and you can pull a latch to have the thing open up. Okay. Yeah. I imagine it takes a minute because Norhill at first thinks it's going to be like, you know, swinging doors. Mm-hmm. And instead the doors just slide to the sides with a light, small noise. And inside you guys can hear the. Greetings, Boltini. What floor would you like to go to? Plaza one, Plaza two. Where are we now? Plaza, Plaza one. Two. Plaza two. Give, give me a minute to think. <laughs> I just love that <laughs> Thubani just sounds like like one of the orcs from World of Warcraft that's not doing their work. Just a lazy peon. Just like, oh, guys, where you? Me not that kind of gnome. Which, which floor was it that we wanted to go to? Plaza 2. <laughs> Plaza 2. And so with that, you guys can hear boom, boom, and you hear this metallic grating noise as the metal cable at the far side of the elevator shaft that you guys are like standing in, the actual elevator cage, uh, you can see that the cable is like rusted up and rotted. And as the machine starts to try to go down, it seems to be like openly grinding at the metal wire that's holding the whole thing in place and seems to be spewing sparks as it continually pushes harder and harder and harder to pull down on this line. And one would be able to tell by this thing kicking smoke into here and rattling back and forth that this elevator is either going to fall down with you all in it or perhaps something worse. What would you like to do? Not take the elevator. <laughs> Can Klika try casting mending on the uh, sure. smoking winch? Sure, sure, sure. And as you do it, uh, as you do it, immediately like kind of like regains its threading a little bit, and the rust seems to peel away, and the thing jolts really fast downward um, for like a good 30 or 40 feet and everybody seems to lift off the ground even through Bonnie. Uh, you guys all seem to lift yeah. off the ground a little bit before the thing seems to like boom boom and regulate and slow down and you all hit the ground with a thump 
and it continues to go downward for like another 50 feet. And as you guys are going down here, you notice that all the light from the shaft above goes away as the doors close with the echoing bing boom. And you guys are left alone with only the light, the dim yellow light of the elevator itself. And as it continues downward slowly but surely, you can see that the yellow light begins to flicker a little bit and it, the bulb crackles and pops. And you guys are left in pitch black darkness as you descend lower and lower down into this chamber. Casting light on the lamp. Okay. And with that, a facsimile of the light from the lamp from before peeps up again. And you guys, for a split second, see the inky blackness of the walls of the elevator shaft. We're stretching towards you guys in ghostly visages. And as the light flicks on real quick, they all pull back in like a lightning strike as if it almost looks like that wasn't actually happening. But as you guys can all see from having stood where you guys did, that it looked like they were about to reach out and grab each and every one of you. And all of a sudden, you guys are getting hit with memories of what Obroth had stated about climbing up the black shaft and having to like try to avoid whatever it was that was following him. And as you guys descend lower and lower and seeing the light of Anton's, you know, casting start to like flicker and, and glimmer under the darkness around you, this must be what he's talking about. Because the level of unease you guys feel, it literally feels like you're descending into the stomach of darkness as you feel like the pressure of like internal organs of pure darkness kind of pressing upon you guys. And you reach the bottom as the whole machine comes to a stop and you hear boom, boom, plaza two. And the doors open up before you. And before you is another well-lit white bulbed chamber. Um, and you guys can hear the sounds of clinking sounds in a perfect rhythm of tick tock, tick tock. But it's like impossibly huge and loud. And you hear the cacophony of just dozens of spinning cogs and wheels as this happens. Before you, you can see a small bridge that climbs over what appears to be a couple of large copper like um, I don't want to say it like cogs that seem to be like constantly moving back and forth and judging by the size and intensity of their movements, if anybody were to accidentally fall in, it would definitely be bad news bears and you guys would be gobbled up by whatever this giant metallic machine is. Um, but before you, uh, the path veers forward with a pair of double doors at the end of a hundred foot hallway or a door to the left and a door to the right. What do you guys do? Shall we check the doors to the left and right first? Sure. So the party travels down this hallway over the bridge and the sound of the clocking mechanism going on evenly, perfectly like a clock's rhythm, constantly ticking and talking and ticking and talking. And as you guys are traveling down here, you notice the bulbs on the walls seem to flicker almost in tandem with the individual clicks as if perhaps this clockwork has something to do with this power. But as you guys go over to the leftmost door and pull it open, you guys see before you what could be described as probably the strangest mechanical sight anybody here has ever or will ever see. As before you is one of the most impossible, what's the word for that? Uh, Anthony, you mentioned in the last episode with the uh, giant machines that do something simple, but- the Oh, Rube Goldberg. The Rube Goldberg, yeah. It's basically that, but a giant clock with like 500 metal wheels each one of them with individual numbers printed on them that are constantly spinning, but evenly with each tick and talk of this giant mechanical like machine that is the second floor plaza. And this giant series of all the metal circles constantly ticks and talks. But what you notice is that there's a giant metal needle that kind of like, like pecks into one very specific location labeled current day. 
and current time. And it seems to be almost like keeping track of where everything's supposed to be. And what you notice is that it's been bent and broken as if it's been like pulled off of the record. And what you can tell is the point that it must have like last been properly wedged into, judging by the metal tick that's kind of placed into each and every one of these wheels by walking around and looking at each individual wheel in here and seeing where it broke off. Can I get a history check from everybody or whomever has a history check? I'll give advantage to Anton because he succeeded on this individual task before. Uh, Norhill got a 21 on his history check. Damn. Got a 13. Okay. And so... You got 11. Damn. Jar Jarzak, with his natural one, brought it to a zero. <laughs> Wait, you have history? <laughs> no, but I have a minus one to the uh, modifier for it, so it still takes oh. that. Oh, very good. <laughs> Um, and so with that, Anton notices the year and the date as well as Klika that it must, I mean, it's like a hundred years ago-ish, but Norhill has a moment of recollection as he's putting together these dates and times. And the date and time that this was all broken off at was the date and time that began the official first battle of the War of the Bleeding Stones. The most tumultuous battle that sealed the fate of the gnomes and the halflings as enemies of the other allied nations, sealed the fate of the dwarves and their home and breached the security of the land, as well as wreaking you know, ruin to all of Amaroth. It's as if this breaking off of the metal tips here sort of landmarks that exact date. And having seen this in a gnomish stronghold seems very peculiar. And with all these strange pieces and the clock ticking and talking back and forth inside of here, it leaves you all with a very strange and looming feeling as if something much far grander than just what's going on right now might be looming over your heads. And so with that, we end the episode. Yeah. All right. Hey everybody, it's the Young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.